you can certainly get momentary happiness easier right. than, than getting into a marriage, but you can't get the lasting, nourishing, truly good kind of happiness that God has planned for marriage. All right, welcome back to episode six of the Unyielding Podcast, where we talk about anything and everything from a biblical perspective. We're inviting you into a conversation that we're having about the world, our lives, everything in it. Um, I did think a couple things I wanted to to note is that um, we're going to be releasing these uh, across several platforms. But if you want to leave a comment or a question or something, we want to address those on this podcast. And so you can do that on YouTube. If you just comment on YouTube, we'll be reading those, interacting with those and and ones that seem salient, we'll bring on to the podcast. We'll try to answer and think about those things. And also I want to say, this is a conversation. So it, uh, we're not trying to teach anything. We're not trying to give, you know, some kind of layout, some direct path to how we, you know, knowledge or understanding or something. We're just having conversations about these things that we think are edifying and profitable uh, to help us kind of cultivate our thinking. Again, we're inviting you into conversations that the five of us have been having for many, many years and, um, and we hope it'll be profitable. So um, let's pray and then we'll get into today's podcast. Father. We love you, God. We present ourselves before you, Father, to to say, Lord, would you use us, God, to be edifying to your body, God, encouraging to one another, Lord, and pleasing to you. Lord, we love you and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Today, we actually want to talk about marriage. And um, uh, marriage is is sort of a really broad topic. So this conversation will kind of wander and meander a little bit, and that's probably okay. But I was thinking about Marriage is sort of in a, a tough spot right now. The, the marriage rates have declined. Right now, they're currently at all-time lows um, in the history of the United States. Uh, fewer and fewer people are getting married. I saw a statistic that in uh, 1978, 85% of, of men were married by the age of 30. And today, it's uh, like 22% of men are married by the age of 30. So not only people are not getting married, but they're waiting longer and longer to get married. Uh, increasingly, we're having non-traditional homes. People are having children outside of wedlock. They're not coupling marriage and what uh, I'm sorry, marriage and uh, and and ch- child rearing are not going together. So marriage is in like a tough spot. And it just made me think of my brother, my brother, Joe, uh, him and his wife. They have two kids. I mean, I'm sorry, him and his girlfriend have two kids together. Um, they own a business together and yet they don't have any real desire to get married. Their their thinking is we don't need a piece of paper to, you know, to um, to tell us who we are to each other. We, as long as we love each other, want to be together. If we don't, we can go our separate ways. Um, that seems like an increasingly, uh, common perspective on marriage. So, um, what is from, from our perspective, all five of us are married. Um, I've been married for 12 years. I said early in this podcast, I've been married for 11 years. That's not true. I've been married for 12 years. Busted. Um, yeah, busted. <laughs> <laughs> Ellen's married for 11 years, 11 years, 10, 10, Three, nine, nine years. Okay. So, um, we've been, we're all married. We all think the marriage is a good thing. Uh, what is the purpose of marriage? I, I thought we'd just jump off there because I think what th- that's kind of gotten lost. I don't know that there is an agreed upon design or purpose for marriage that, that people see marriage as many different things. Um, I think that marriage is, is increasingly becoming out of fashion, increasingly is looked at as something that is, uh, um, you know, overly complicated, uh, unnecessary, so, so what is, we're all married. We think marriage is a good thing. Why? And what is marriage really intended to be from God's perspective? 
That's big. I, I think starting at the top, there's a quote, I think it might be Piper who says, it cannot be said often enough that marriage is a reflection of Christ and his church. I think about that all the time. Yeah. Um, I think at the at one of the highest levels, it is a representation of Christ and his bride, the church being his bride, us all being part of the church. We're, you know, under his authority, we're, uh, we're serving him, uh, we're glorifying him, helping him in the mission, right? The, his yeah. kingdom, growing his kingdom. Um, so that's, I think that we can talk about all the things that marriage also is, um, how it's good for us and kids so, and society, but. Yeah, so Ephesians 5, verse 31, it says, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ in the church. Um, so he's talking about marriage, and he's talking about the 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 picture of marriage used to describe our relationship with Jesus or the church's relationship with Jesus um, as this this mystery. And so there there is really this picture that we should have in our minds when we talk about our own actual just marriage with our families that God gave us that in part to explain to us what our relationship with Him is like. That this this kind of uh, supernatural, um, leaving your, your own families and coming together to become one flesh, which is kind of a crazy idea. Like there is no other relationship in life where you're having a one flesh relationship that really only happens in the covenant of marriage or is, is intended by the covenant of marriage. So, um, so that's certainly one picture is, is that God has given us marriage to explain to us a deep spiritual mystery of our union with Christ in a, in a profound way. In, in that same, um, in that same, you know, uh, vision of Christ in the church, us, our marriage is bringing him glory and understanding something deeper about his relationship with us. It also helps me in my daily interactions with my wife. If I feel like I'm going astray or we get in some tense moment, I regularly think, am I acting like Christ? Right. Right. Like, is our marriage, if if she's the church and I'm Christ, right? Like, am, am I reflecting that? Yeah. Um, and, and that's a call on me. If I can, if I can't say that, yes, this is, you know, that really helps cut through things because it's not supposed to be what does Tobias want in this, in this day or this marriage or in this, this conversation. It's, I have to, I can, I can easily take a step back, die to myself and say, I'm supposed to be reflecting Christ in this situation. And that's that, that earlier in Ephesians not 5. Easily. I yeah. said easily, not easily, but it's something that it's, it's something that helped me. Yeah, it's simple, and and it, it says it. Yeah, it, exactly. Uh, simple, not easy, right? Ephesians five says, "Husbands love your wives like Christ loved the church," um, which is it, there is no no higher, more unattainable goal that he sets for us. Like it's it's almost like oh, like what is? There's no way I'm ever going to meet up that, and yet that's the standard he calls husbands to in a relationship. And so there's there's an an order in there. That is a reminder to us about man, what are we actually called to? What what does God expect of us? Yeah, I think that's like one of the big things that I think about is the purpose for marriage, especially when when we talk about um, still just kind of personal purpose, right? And we, I'm sure we'll talk here about outside of the two people the the purpose as well. But um, I think like you said, uh, it's why it's like called to be to your wife like Christ is to the church. Like what a high unattainable call but it sets this mark that you're to strive for and to work towards and this very clear goal to fix your eyes on and I think that's one of the big um, purposes of marriage at least I've, I've found um, is is that development of yourself uh, into you know the character of Christ yeah so there's a lot of things that marriage does and I do want to go there but I do want to stay kind of big picture a little bit because I think there's there's sort of two big 
meta pictures we get. One is Ephesians 5. The other one is Genesis 2, where really right from the beginning, we get marriage. Like marriage right away is one of like the core ideas in the world. It's not one of these different ideas. Like we have in the very beginning, we have work and we have marriage. You, you say marriage, household, family, sex, like those are, yeah. those are in there. Um, but let's just call that marriage. Like there's really like, like your relationship with God, the work he has for you to do and marriage are like the three broad principles that are, that are right there at the beginning where God's telling us, this is why he created the world. This is what the design is for. This is what the purpose is for. There's so many things that are not included and it doesn't tell you how to take care of your body. It doesn't tell you what the best fitness, how to live the longest and how to, you know, whatever. Like it, it doesn't give us all these other, it doesn't give us economic principles. It doesn't give us all these other things that are important about life that interact with all of us. Marriage is right there at the core, at the beginning. Um, It says, interestingly, it says that God made everything. He says, very good. And then he says, he sees man by himself. He says, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make him a help meet suitable to him. And, um, and so there's this, this companionship in marriage that is, is good for men and is part of God's design for how to start families and household, right? This idea of, of a man comes from his family, a wife comes from her family to start a new family and that God's plan is to fill the earth with families. And that's his plan for like dominion and conquering and bring his kingdom, uh, um, into, to, to fill the whole earth. And so I think that idea of marriage, I think it would be wrong for us and to adopt kind of the world's view that marriage is superfluous, that it's secondary, that it's not, um, uh, central, that it is central. It is actually central to the purpose of man. Now, that doesn't mean everybody gets married. There's people, you can have a fruitful life. There's people who are given the gift of celibacy. Jesus was never married. Um, there's there's certainly purpose and, and value in singleness, but as a as an as like an offshoot, it's not the norm. The the typical norm for most Christians and and for the church is that we should value marriage, we should uphold marriage. Um uh, Jesus said, keep the marriage bed holy. Um, keep it sacred that we should, as a culture society, a healthy culture society really values marriage and puts a high premium on marriage. Um, and so I think, I think we see those two kind of major themes as the purposes and design for marriage. And yet, man, that's, that's not how most people approach marriage is not how a lot of us think about marriage. Uh, why not? What are we missing? Uh, what is the kind of what's what's gone wrong like where have we got off well to your point about how marriages aren't really valued and um you know if you don't have a blueprint for what your marriage is supposed to be then you're just grasping at the wind and it's your marriage is uh subject to whatever feelings the man or the woman has in that moment so so christians the advantage that we have is we could like you were saying Tobias, we can go back to the bible when we're um off our mark we can see right here, like I'm not being treating my wife as Christ calls me to. You don't have that blueprint in the world um, to make a successful marriage. And uh, so it's no wonder these marriages are failing left and right because they have nowhere to go, nowhere to look to see, is this good? Is this bad? Well, I'm just going to base it off my feelings. And, you know, it, it turns to dust. Yeah, I think one of the things I've I've thought for a long time is it is and, and actually one of the reasons for doing this podcast is that people need examples. They yeah. need examples to follow. Like it's 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 e- it's hard to learn something on your own, to figure out something from scratch by yourself. But when you have a picture of what it looks like, I remember 
you know, growing up, I went to a, uh, like a denominational church. Um, it was, it was a PCUSA church. I don't know if anybody there had a relationship with Jesus. Nobody was modeling what it meant to live for Jesus. And I remember thinking very clearly, I had a couple encounters with the Lord in my, in my teenage years. And I remember thinking, man, I don't have what it takes to follow Jesus. Right. And part of that was because I didn't know anybody who was really going for after Jesus. Then I ended up getting saved. I came to Foothills. I got to get close to to John Hoffman, Mark Hoffman, some of these guys. And I began to see like, oh, these guys are really living for the Lord. And it it, it, it was not not attainable. It actually became attainable. I, got, I could see it and I see what it looked like and say, man, I think I could do that. And so I think you're right. I think that, you know, just going back to the illustration of my brother, uh, my parents were divorced. My, my parents went through a divorce when I was when I was 12. And, and so he grew up in a broken family. Um, his girlfriend grew up in a broken family and I think they're kind of like, ah, oh, man, I don't want to do that again. You know, like I don't want, they've seen some of the destruction. They've seen some of the, the pain that comes from a broken family and thought we don't want to be a part of that. People are going to go through the uh, path of least resistance. And if all they saw modeled for them was what you're describing, that's what they're going to model in their lives. And so if you don't have that example, like you're saying, um, it's too hard to change. They're, they're just going to stay comfortable and model what they saw growing up. Right. And, and- there's real, real, just, just to put some some numbers to it, um, that's the crazy divorce rates we have. Right, right. we have no fault, no fault divorce here in the United States, and um, and so we have thirty percent, a third of thirty three percent, a third of all first marriages end in divorce, and and fifty percent of all marriages end in divorce. Right, so so the you know the, if you get divorced once, you're more likely to get divorced again, is is statistically, but man, that doesn't bode well for you know till death right. do us part. Right, like that isn't that like. Like, what does the promise mean? What does it come to mean? Yeah, and I think we're talking about it, like the world and everyone else, they see, in the reference you brought up, they see the, um, they don't see the benefit, right? Like, yeah. they just see terrible marriages that end in divorce, and it's a wreck, and it's a mess, and the people that are in the marriages, it looks hard. A lot of times they don't see the benefit, and they think, till death do us part, why would I want to go into that? What they don't see is the tremendous peace that comes from knowing this is who I'm with. I've ch- we've chosen each other and we are going to be together and we can rest in that. And both of us have the idea that this is going to be forever. You know, like and divorce is not an option. Yeah, divorce is not an option. And then once that's off the table, yeah. now you can treat each other with a lifelong, eternal even mindset. Right. Um, and that, and that's, you know, if there's ever, di- if there's, if there's divorce in the, in the option, um, you know, it, it, well, I feel like everybody does that. I got to find a way out. There's always, they, everyone's always got a contingency plan. It, it seems like you can tell when people think that there's a contingency plan. I, I, I got to make sure that my ducks are in a row just in case this doesn't work out. Right. Whereas when I went into my marriage, and I think when all of us went into our marriage, it's like, no, there's no out. This is, this is the final decision. Or I think that's a shift in mindset that has to you, happen. You opened up with something like where you said, like, um, this is a, 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 one of the pillars, one of the foundational components of how God's designed the world and he relationship with him, work and marriage. And, um, I think, uh, in the United States or in our, our culture, um, marriage has been reoriented towards a source of unending happiness and selfish. And it's kind of, it's kind of not the, the, it's a bedrock on what makes things good. But good and eternal happy feelings are—they're not the same. And yeah. so, um, if as to the extent that people are going into marriage thinking they're going to get this 
wave of fulfillment that never ends because they've met this kind of like romanticized soulmate. I, I, I kind of get why people are like that. I don't see that. And this isn't what I said. This isn't for. what I, this isn't what I'm thinking. Yeah. And so I don't want that because we're, we kind of substituted in maybe some not really fleshed out ideas of what marriage is. It is good. And it's deeply, deeply uh, satisfying to your soul, but it's not always just an endless party. No, not, you even know, close. it's not, <laughs> and, it, and it wasn't meant to be, that's well, not how God set it up. And well, so we're, yeah, what's interesting but about- But it is a party sometimes. Sure, sure. Like, yeah, yeah. sure. But you know, uh, <laughs> being a pastor, I know what you mean. Being a pastor is interesting because you get to do a lot of weddings and you get to see people walk people through the process of getting married. And and um, a big part of what I want to do is try to disillusion people from some idealistic utopian idea of what, what marriage is going to be because that's what's been sold, this kind of Prince Charming. Mm. You know, you're a princess. I, a lot of girls, it turns out, have like marriage magazines that they've, collected since they were teenagers and had pictures of what their wedding dress is going to be. And they want to spend all this money on this idea of a wedding. It's this huge, romantic, beautiful thing. And they have all these kind of like, uh, I, I finally have met my Prince Charming. And man, uh, if that's the idea you're going into marriage with, if it's some kind of like Disney shaped world shape, this is the person who's finally going to complete me and satisfy me. Um, you are setting yourself up for real disaster, like really falling apart. And, um, and, and I, I remember, I remember sitting in, in our college ministry 20 years ago and I remember Mark and Linda came in and they said, um, marriage really isn't primarily about romance. Marriage is primarily about, are we better together or apart? Like, are we more, can we be more effective together or can we be more effective apart? And I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, these guys must have a terrible marriage. Like, um, <laughs> Like that's not what marriage is about. Marriage is about like like being romantic and finding the love of your life and your soulmate. Because I had really bought into that idea, I think, and um, and theirs sounded very like kind of cold and utilitarian. And here I am, forty five, married for twelve years. I can say they were definitely right. You know, they were definitely the, it, marriage. Really is about who is a partner that I can partner in the mission that God has given me, and we can be effective in serving each other in that way. I just listened to some recently, Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson has a great thing on marriage. Uh, he talked about, he was talking about the statistics and people not wanting to get married, that people not wanting to, to commit themselves. And he's like, that's the most self-destructive suicidal thing because the, the reality is that you're going to get into marriage and marriage is going to be hard. And the person you're married to is going to do some sinful, evil thing. And you are going to do some sinful, evil things. And to Phil's point, if you have an out, if you have a contingency plan, if it's like, okay, this is, I'm not happy right now. Like this isn't fun. I'm not having a good time. Right. Then you're going to want to pull, you're, you're going to want to pull that eject cord. And so when I do, when I do marriages, marriage ceremonies, I say, listen, uh, this is for life, right? So when it says for richer, for poorer, for in sickness and in health, that's what it means, right? It means, man, everybody here is, I would say this, everybody here is praying for you guys to have richer and health and life but sometimes in life you get poorer and sickness and death and and marriage has called you to be faithful through all of it and um and when you have that commitment that it's like man there is no out it forces you to deal with things that you never would deal with if it was just if i could escape it i'd escape it because like you said like people are that's our human nature is man if i can get out of this i want to get out of it but when you're forced to deal with it because there is no out like I will, I will die. I will go out of this thing on my, my only way out of this is on my shield. You know what I mean? Like it is, we make it through this or I die. Okay. Like if that's your mentality, if that's your perspective, um, then that's where real 
progress, real fruitfulness, real um, growth comes from because you're forced to like go through this stuff and, and deal with it. And, and and again, like I have a great marriage, like me and my wife have a ton of fun. Um, but dude, there's it's it's not easy. Like we've called to like some heavy work, you know, there's funny. I was uh, watching uh, some Discovery Channel thing, reality show where these guys are in the Bering Sea and crab pod. And it's like the most difficult scenario for a job you can think of and this guy's divorced they're interviewing him and he's talking about man i would do anything for my kids and my buddy next to me he goes yeah you do anything for your kids except work things out with your wife <laughs> and it's like that's kind of the yeah. mentality it's like people have this idea like yeah i'll go face the seas and right you know giant crab pods crushing my friends and me to death but i just won't go home and work things out with my wife for my kids sake i'll do anything for my kids Right. except work things out with your wife. And so people have this, uh, you know, rom even romanticized idea about do anything for your kids. But like, what about your wife? What about your marriage? It's like, don't go off to some adventure. Go just sit down and talk with your wife yeah. and work it out. And, and man, if this thing is going to be, the other part of this, if it's going to be for life, it really, it, it really uh, um, causes me to like, want to make sure I'm keeping up on the maintenance, that I'm making this thing a good thing that, Five years from now, this yeah. will still be good. I'm yeah. taking marriage, care of like the work. Marriage has like, it has these like Tuesday afternoon moments where you just finished work and you're tired and your wife is like, hey, you said you'd do this. In that moment, it's not, it's not wrestling. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> okay, bro. It's not wrestling a bear or something that you feel like you're getting this immense victory from. It's right. like, okay, get up off the couch where you felt comfortable and you felt entitled to a little break yeah. and go do something that doesn't feel super good, like put away some clothes or something. And it, it uh, you know, to the extent that we're we're seeking these huge, romantic, even from the man's perspective, events, and that's what we anchor ourselves on. Marriage is is steady. It's diligent. It's it's sacrificing in the small things, mm -hmm. which um, I I didn't anticipate coming into marriage, and I think a lot of people don't, but the commitment helps you see the purpose in those. Right. And then you start to you start to understand uh, a person's perspective. And for, for men, I think it's really good to, you know, you take the idea of being out off the table. If you're going to get through those moments, you have to get into the mind of a woman. And women are, as much as they can be, entirely different creatures. And it helps us. It helps us be more full. I think it helps us understand God's purpose for the world and how he's He's different and, and, you know, so, but you don't get that by saying, oh, this isn't fun or it isn't what I thought and I'm out. So there's, well, I think we should say too, that our wives all watch this podcast. And so <laughs> if this kind of comes off as like a hostage video or something, uh, <laughs> that's at least part of it, you know, uh, just kidding. Uh, no, I think, uh, <laughs> I think what you say is, is thinking that, <laughs> thinking that marriage will complete you is, you know, the, some of the advice I've heard given to guys, you know, you're looking to get married. Do what God has for you, right? Start, run the race that he has for you. Whatever mission is, follow that. And then look over and see who's keeping up with you, right? Like see who's around you when you're on your way to doing what God has for you. Yeah. That was advice that I heard when I was young and not married. Um, and, and doing that, I feel like not waiting to start some life till you're married, right. but being a full person under God and doing everything he has called for you when you're young and single because when you get married, that's an exciting new season of your life where now as a man, you're called to now serve your wife, right? right? It's, a, it's an exciting new thing. It's not about serving yourself 
and then it should have never been but like that idea of now it's and then and then also going even further you you and your wife and then kids that's a whole other you need to be you need to be ready and excited for that um not going to marriage like um well i'm just gonna add this other person to my life and keep doing my own you know michael foster says um that you should you should figure out your mission first and then get married because at least part of it is is saying, look, this is what God has called me to. Let me find a, a, a helpmate suitable for the life that God has called me to and and having that a little bit, that idea. And so let, let's ask that question because I think that there's probably, I, I think our hope, one of our hopes for this podcast is it would be uh, particularly efficacious for young guys um, that, that we think we have something to offer um, that, man, if you're thinking about getting married, what is what is it to become a marriageable man? Like, what is it to become... Uh, what does it look like? What what kinds of things should you be doing in order to put yourself in the right spot to become a marriageable man? And and um, because I I remember early on, I remember thinking when I first got saved, I I thought, man, I had a picture of the woman that I wanted, and she was godly and beautiful, and and just a, a really like I my my appetites got turned. I didn't want a worldly woman. I wanted a really faithful woman, a really godly woman, and um, and then I. I was forced to to say, okay, what kind of man does that woman deserve? And like, I wasn't that kind of man. And so uh, my, like then it sent me on the mission. Okay. I need to become that kind of man that a woman, the kind of woman that I want that she would want, you know what I mean? So, so what does it look like to become the kind of man that is, is deserving of a godly woman, you know what I mean? Or that is, is the kind of woman that the kind of man that she would choose? Well, I think that's going to be subjective for everybody because everybody's super unique. And so something that I heard that was really wise was uh, sit and pray and ask God, what are my shortcomings, my character flaws that I have right now that are going to screw up my partner or potential partner and deal with those because the battles that you refuse to fight now are going to be passed along to your wife and it's going to be exacerbated. And then those are going to be passed along to your kids and they're going to have to fight it instead of you fighting it. And so those are the, you need character development, what you're talking about. That's one of the things that you need to be focusing on as a young man to become whole and complete before you raise the banner of your household and then tell your kids and your wife to follow this banner. If you don't know where you're going or you're screwed up in the head and the heart and the spirit and the mind, then they're so just real yeah. practical stuff like like dealing with addiction or. Uh, laziness, laziness or, or yeah, financial lack of self-control, lack of financial issues, whatever, pornography, yeah, like all that kind of stuff. Uh, it just marriage just makes everything more. I remember feeling a, a really. It's actually one of the purposes of marriage. It's one of the God's designs for marriage is to grow us up. But I remember thinking, man, when well, I, I was single until I was thirty-two. You know what I mean? So I didn't get married. I got married when I was thirty-two. That's that's later on in life. And I remember thinking like. You know, I was a little bit of an outdoor cat. I could do what I want. I could come and go as I please. I could, you know, I, I could just be the master of my own destiny. And then I remember getting married and thinking, oh man, like if I mess up now, if I fail now, I don't just bring myself down. I bring my wife down with me. And like that is way more, feels way more intense, way more um, important. And so, so that expectation of saying, man, I, I need to deal with this stuff now because the the stakes just get higher in marriage is is really significant. I think practicing too, being not selfish as a single person, practice serving, right? Serving the church, doing for other people. Uh, Miles used to always say, like, it's not about you. Some of the best advice is not about you. Right. You can almost say that in almost any situation is if you're you know sitting somewhere and you're thinking about me and what do I need, and how do I feel, and all, 
It's not about you. Get up and go do something for someone else and stop thinking about yourself. Yeah. Because if you, especially if you go into marriage thinking, what am I going to get out of this? What if, you know, like, and you're, you have this selfish mindset, it's going to be much more of a fight. Yeah. Well, I think clinically you're the most depressed when you're only thinking yeah, about yourself. Your so- thoughts on yourself. When, you, when, you, when you're only thinking about yourself, you're the most, those people are the most depressed. depressed. Yeah, yeah. A lot of times in counseling, one of the pieces of advice I give is once you go serve some, like do, yeah. go do something for somebody else. Yeah. Because yeah. it just takes your mind off yourself. It like forces you to put your mind on somebody it's, else. It gives you purpose. It fixes a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, you know, what's like Spence was saying today. I mean, you even talk about little girls cutting out pictures of their wedding. Like, God, I wish that's what little girls were right. doing now. Uh, I mean, like, Talking about the how that can go astray and idealizing it, not getting it, but like, what are girls? You know, babies, none of that. Teenage girls now, like wedding dresses, like you said, they're they're not even. It's all about self and happiness and moment. Like, if you are unhappy in a moment, that means something's wrong, and you chase happiness anywhere you can find it, any kind of fleeting pleasure or anything else, and 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 you know that's just not. Um, obviously not right you know i think too like the really uh tragic thing about people not prioritizing marriage and thinking that they can get their happiness easier another way you can certainly get momentary happiness easier right than than getting into a marriage but you can't get the lasting nourishing truly good kind of happiness that god has planned for marriage like that is how you get the the richest fullest life that God has planned for you. And I think that in the deepest joy, yeah, you're, that, that is how you get it. And I think that everybody kind of sees some of what we're talking about here, the, the sacrifice, the dying to yourself, the responsibility, the inescapability of marriage. And they get, um, you know, very kind of uh, uh, cagey about it. And they want to go a different direction and say, no, just give me the easy happiness. Right. I'll take the easy happiness, please. Um, and I think that's kind of where, where we are in culture now. But the problem or I guess the tragic thing about that is um, you're not getting the the really good stuff that God has planned for you because He has that He has that planned at least in the context of of relationship between men and women in marriage. That's the deepest joy. One of the one of the challenges with that though is is just the process of getting married. Is that is that you can't just decide okay I want to get married. Right, you have, to, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you have to have the Lord bring you. That is the hard. That's part. patient, yeah. you know, bring you the yeah. right person. Yeah. So, but. But in that, there, I think there's a, a tension there where you have to say, okay, Lord, I'm, I want to, you, you have to be open to it. You have to have a desire for it, right? So I think it's, I think it's good. The Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. I think it's right and good for us to desire marriage. And I think there's a lot of people who are like, oh, well, I'm just going to, I don't really want marriage. There's a lot of people today who are saying like, it's uh, maybe later on and later on, they just keep putting it off and off and off. And I think that's a foolish way to be. I think you want to position yourself and say, Lord, I want to. I want to be getting myself in order so that I'm prepared and ready to get married. And then, and then when you bring it, Lord, I want to be open to it. I want to be, have my head up. I want to be looking around, finding, you know, possible, uh, uh, helpmates, possible suitable women to get married to. Um, and I want to be paying attention and, and then I don't want to be so pressing that I'm just ready to fall in love and get married with any girl that I find. You know, any girl who, who, who. One of the things I think when you were saying like, what would at the start of that question was like, what would you tell? A young man he yeah. needs to do to prepare himself. Um, I think it's it's in, incredibly important for a man to start practicing leadership and start and start taking on the onus of getting people towards goals that honor God. Because that, however, whatever your life is, whether you're on the mission field, whether you're just 
in you know suburbia, if you're a Christian man, you're supposed to be leading your life somewhere. And I, I think that should show up in like, again, the mundane, like I, I have a, like a idea in my head, your wife should never be leading you to church. Right. If you're a, if you're a man and you want to get a godly woman, you should always be the initiator to take her and then your family to church. Like a simple thing. Um, your wife should never, uh, you know, I, I, I think there's, uh, you know, there's a lot, if you're working and stuff, she might have more time. I think this has come up in a couple of things like to actually read the Bible, but you're in charge of setting and leading spiritually. Yeah. And so, uh, for young men, um, look for opportunities to lead things, yeah. which also is a part of our cultural problem. People are kind of like, I don't want to own that. I don't want to, I don't, it's messy to, I don't want to take, I don't want, I don't want to take responsibility. So that is a characteristic that men need to. It's interesting. There's, develop. um, there's, uh, and just thinking about raising my sons, right. And there's a, there's a time when you're a boy and everything's done for you, right? Like you get taken care of. And as you, that maturing process, you go through adolescence, you start taking on more responsibility. Um, to the point where, when hopefully you're ready to fully take responsibility for yourself. You know what I mean? Like the, we kind of use the word, the, the age 18, but sometime in there when you're able to get a job, pay for your own stuff, uh, start making sure you're brushing your own teeth and going to bed at whatever time you need to go to bed, be places on time. It's not an outdoor cat anymore. He, he, well, <laughs> so, no, no, you can be an outdoor cat and take care of responsibilities. I, but what I mean is, but here's, here's partly how you go from being, that's part of becoming an outdoor cat is you, you now, yeah. you now can go and take, like you handle can your own everything. business, yeah. take care of yourself. But the the path to responsibility, like the gift for being faithful and responsibility is more responsibility, right? So, yeah, yeah. so it's not just being responsible for myself. Now I need to grow and become more, I, I need yeah. to become and learn to be responsible for other people. Right? Learn to love it. Love yeah. Responsibility. Yeah. And not it's just, a but, gift. but not just, not just responsible for myself, but also responsible for those people around yeah. me, the people that God has put in my way, the people that my coworkers, other people, like I'm going to, I'm going to give some covering because there's that process when you become a husband or wife. You're now going to be responsible. And and in a spiritual way, I, I was talking to a girl this last week. She is in her 30s and she's single. And I was just asking her, like, what have you learned? Because you've had all these friends get married. She said, all of my friends are married. And I said, what have you learned from their marriages that has helped you? And she said, I want to find a man who's going to lead me because the majority of my friends who got married who are in the church, um, the wives are are spiritually leading their husbands. Like they're the most spiritual person in their family and, and they're the ones that are leading them. And it made me think back to to when I was again, back when I was thinking about getting married, I remember telling John Hoffman this one time, I said, I said, I want to find a woman who's more godly than me. And my thinking was, is that I don't have a lot of confidence in myself that I can stay consistent and faithful. And so I want a wife who can do that for our family. And I remember now thinking back on it, the last 15 years, thinking back on it, it's like such an embarrassing thing to have said, you know, because like, I don't want a woman to to spiritually lead me. I don't want my wife to be a spiritual leader of our family. My wife is a godly woman. And in many ways, she's more godly than me, but uh, I'm the spiritual leader of our family. And I, I, that's important for me to have that rightly ordered. And I didn't early on. I didn't think like that. And so taking responsibility for your own spiritual life and also the spiritual life to lead other people is really good practice for getting into I think I think that like you guys talking about responsibility there, um, it's a pastor Crawford Lawrence. And he said, men were made for responsibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This isn't something that um, if it comes your way, mm. take it on and try to be self-sacrificing. You were made yeah. for it. So so I think like to young men, the advice, um, you know, as preparing for marriages like Tobias and, and Spence and others have said, um, find a situation where one, you're taking responsibility for the things that you need to. You're, you've 
your work, you're, you're providing for yourself, those kind of practical things, but then also find those opportunities to lead like ministry at your church, go, go volunteer junior high or high school ministry and teach a Bible study. Right. And, and you're thinking, well, I'm not a teacher or I'm not really good with kids. Doesn't matter. That that's not really the point. The point is get into the habit of you seeking after God, preparing, leading other people, sharing, you know, the word with them, teaching. You need to get into that habit, dying to yourself, taking on responsibility. You need to practice those, those I would even, things. I would even say like for the person who says, well, I'm not a, I, my answer would be, yes, you are. Yeah, you are. You're just not That's doing right. any good. That's right. And go do it better. Yeah. Go get practice at it and, and own it more because um, we all are. And it's going to look different. I'm going to be a different kind of teacher than Mike or Phil. But we all are called to help the people underneath us understand God better. Yeah. And and grow closer. Yeah, you can be called a teach and shepherd and lead your yeah. wife. Yeah. If you're not a if teacher, shepherd, leader, then you'd bet have no business being married. And that's what I was gonna say is before you be you get married, you need to become a man of God, right? You you can't yeah. you don't go into marriage being a boy. Yeah. You need to be a man of God. You need to fill your heart up with the word of God because the Bible calls you to wash your wife with the water of the word, right? Like and you're going to teach your kids, like you need to know the word. You need to be a man of God. Like Bo was saying, take responsibility. Great advice I heard when I, as a young man is you should just be drop dead tired. Air, like ready. As soon as your head hits bill, you should knock out, right? Like you should be Working. so busy when you're a single man, just in everything, business ventures, ministry, relationship. Like you should be giving and serving and doing and accomplishing and taking on whatever responsibility God will give you and doing it honorably and doing a good job and just be tired like that you should put in that hard work and and learn like our episode on work learn to enjoy hard work because it's good work and then learn to enjoy and learn to celebrate take moments to pause but like you know it, it makes me think you know because uh, once you get married and you have kids you will be that tired and you can't you you There's should no load it you can't right. load it i don't know if you remember we were doing uh it was for my wedding we were like getting prepared and there's a guy and um in Mount Helix, and he had, I think at the time, he had like six kids, and we were young. I think you were married. You were, you know, married and had a few kids. And you asked him, "Hey, you know, you got any advice? Like, you got six kids?" He's like, "Oh, it's actually pretty easy." He's like, "From the moment you get up to the time you go to sleep, um, just know that you're not going to do anything you want to do." Yeah, <laughs> and then it's easy, you know. Right. And I thought like that's that's hilarious. Yeah. But the more I've thought about that, I'm like, that's actually a really good place to start. From the moment you get up in the morning till you go to sleep at night, the expectation is you're not going to do something you want. If you do, if there's time in the day, if there's things that you can push into, like that's great. But it's it's a really it's a really sobering thought. And some people would be like, that sounds terrible. Right. And yeah, if you're a boy, that sounds terrible because you just want to play video games and relax and whatever. But like, if you learn to, to if you learn to love hard work, picking <laughs> 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 on Smiths. If you learn to love hard work, you know, and learn to love responsibility and growing in that, um, then, you know, wife, kids, all of that is just. And it, it's interesting that you say that because that is, um, I could I could interpret that as like subjugated to a woman, but it's not. It's it's actually you're serving God, and marriage yeah. helps you understand that all of this time that you thought was your own, it could have you could have been doing more to serve God, like you're saying, go to bed exhausted trying to advance the kingdom. Marriage is something that becomes very practical. You can see all the ways you can serve and you're reminded of it. Your lady's letting you know. So I think marriage does help the maturation process, but you don't want to come in as a 
as a boy thinking it's going to just be an, a, a magical change. You have to start to build those elements yeah. into your character you know, ahead of time. Being selfish is e- it seems easy, and it is easy, but it's only easy and good for a time. Like, yeah, you, and then it's empty. Then it's then you have an empty life, and you are a fifty-year-old boy who has not pushed into all the things that God had for you, all of the the good work and the wife and the kids and the the fruit friends and here's, ministry. Here's yeah. something I propose. I don't know. I'm not fifty yet, but I think if you've done that, if you've get close, yeah. getting there. But if you've lived a <laughs> life of selfishness. What what happens to men, I think at that point, is you can't find the thing that you want you want to satisfy you. You can't find the next car or the next the next You were made girl. for more. And so yeah. all of those become empty endeavors where Bo, you were saying it earlier, there's stuff that unlocks as you push into marriage. Mm-hmm. Now you are fifty, you're not gonna be as strong and as apt and but you've got these things that you've poured into that become these these ultra satisfying things to your soul, these rewards for for that commitment and hard work. On this though, for back to like what what young men should look for. So you need to develop yourself into being a leader. Part of that process, you start to figure out who will follow you. And you know, this is we I think said we could bring this up. You can marry hard, you can marry easy. It is super important to marry somebody that will follow you, that believes in your leadership, that sees the vision that you have for your life. To the extent that you don't do that. Um, buckle up, right? Because if you're always trying to pull your lady yeah. to follow your vision for stuff, that is uh, grueling. But you won't know that until you've tried to lead people to things. Until you take responsibility and say, I'm going to get these people to do that. Now you can you start to see the world like, oh, that person just won't follow me. And, and that is important to understand. I think it would be a, a good thing for young men to know going into marriage because you can you can see when a woman is only pushing back. You know, I, that's not going to stop what you say. I do. No, I like the illustration that you gave, Spence, with regard to here's the alternative um, with regard to leading. If you try and if you're pulling your leading, buckle up how hard that is. Think about the other alternatives where you're talking about if you don't invest and you don't have all these things, the fruitfulness um, that comes up, if you don't start taking on these battles now with your children um, and your wife. If you think getting up and entering into the small things day to day is hard, fast forward 20 years with your kids and the problems that are going to come up, that's even more difficult than, you know, getting your Bible and reading it to your kids every morning. I mean, think about the alternative. If you're already in the marriage now or you're young in the marriage and you're not doing those things, down the road is going to be a lot more difficult than these small little incremental things that you have to do on a day-to-day basis. So I like the illustration of the alternative if you don't do these good things. And that's what that blueprint is of of what we have. Which is that, that I, yeah, I think that, uh, Tobias, your quote from that guy who we talked to, the uh, sage from Mount Helix, um, <laughs> was, was yeah, I think there there is a real, a real like self-sacrifice dying to your own desires, but it's at the it's it's for the sake of actually a deeper joy, right? It's, it's for the sake of of doing more of what I want, which is to build an empire and to to live with my wife and my family and my kids, um, and to build a, a legacy and inheritance, to have a home that is full of peace and love and that is fruitful and prosperous. Um, it's it's for those things, right? So if I'm putting off my momentary pleasure of being able to go hang out with with the boys some night, every night of the week or being able to, you know, you see these guys on the golf course who just never got, they're like these single guys 
and they're, you know, in their fifties and they've got like a, you know, a 12 pack with them and they go out and they play golf every day and that's their life. And it really is so pathetic. Like after uh, you see, you see what single, like, but it's all the selfishness. Yeah. And they think they're loving life. You just think, oh gosh, dude, I don't know. I was listening. I saw a video recently of Lecrae and uh, he was, he was uh, talking about his dad. His dad abandoned him when he was young. His dad was just kind of a loser. Like his dad was homeless and uh, homelessness and he, he reconnected with his dad a few years ago and his, his dad was just a total piece of trash. And he's walking down the street and he's like, he, they see a homeless person. He's like, dad, I mean, you know, that used to be you. Like you used to be on the streets. Do you ever like think back on like what your decisions you made and like that kind of stuff? And his dad said, I remember one time I was on the streets and this guy drove past me with his family and, and he looked at me. I could see the pity in his face. And I thought like, don't pity me, dude. I pity you. You have all that responsibility and mm. I'm out here. I get to do whatever I want. And he's, and Lecrae's point was, dude, my dad was such an idiot, you know, like <laughs> such a loser. And, and I just think like, man, that, that mirage that people, and, and it, you can see it in women who have put off marriage and now they've gone after their career and they're in their thirties or forties and man, they're just miserable, empty, Yeah, you know, like, like there's so many things that are, that are like that. So when, you know, there's a, a verse in Proverbs where it says that, um, uh, where there, um, where the where there are no oxen, the stable is clean. Um, but in, in oxen is, is like a lot of productivity or something like that. Right. And the idea being that like, man, if you have oxen, you're going to have to shovel poop and you're gonna have to do a bunch of stuff. That's not that fun, but those oxen are going to help you plow your fields and are going to be good. And so we had that up in our house for a long time, that verse, just to remind us, man, the messiness of our house or the, 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 the frenetic pace sometimes of, of being married and having a household and, and doing all this stuff is uh is worth the work the productivity like the the um the 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 fruit baskets are heavy you know what i mean because there's a lot of fruit from it you know so but we started to transition into okay well what is a good woman what kind of i mean part of marriage is finding the right woman in another sense when you get married that's the right woman right like there's there's not a lot of sense for people who are married to to think oh man i wish you were different right because that's not uh you have found the one at that point. The, the one you were married to, it is the one. I think it's a Puritan saying that says, choose your love and then love your choice. Yeah. And uh, I think like that's a really good just kind of yeah. you know perspective. To you know what I love? The advice from Mark Driscoll. Um, I don't know his standing at this point. If, I like it. You know, you know, yeah, Mark, good. people's opinions, whatever. His advice, he's talking, he's talking to some guy. He's like, you know, when you get married... Um, he's like, you know, your wife has, you know, red hair. Um, you know, what kind of, what kind of girls you like, you know, red hair. Yeah. That, right. That's your, that's your, right. Anna, that's your ideal. What about, you know, the exact height, your wife, that's the height you love. Yeah, you right. love that, you know, like yeah. everything. And that's, that's something that's amazing about getting married is you can, and my wife will say I'm obsessed with her. You can obsess about your wife and be like, this is every, like, I love all these things about you. This is find all the things that you love about her you know like that's a amazing thing instead of the opposite which is chasing just fleeting beauty and whatever else you know like you find that virtue but also yeah like but there is that moment where you you know you go from i i have a choice right i tell people this all the time when you're dating you're not married you haven't covenant with this person sometimes the right answer is you need to leave you yeah. need to break up and find somebody else once you get married, the answer is you, you walk this out no matter what, right? Like that's the, that's the context. But so when you're in that process of, of choosing, what are the kinds of things that you might look for 
in a woman? Like, what are the kinds of things that you would give? What kind of advice would you give a young guy? Brown skin, tall, it's kind of Yeah. 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 I would say, um, well, someone obviously, so we've been talking about what it takes to be a whole man of God. And so I think what we've been talking about mirrors somewhat to a degree with regard to a woman, you know, so is, is the woman committed to, um, character improvement and maturity. But one thing that someone told me, um, because, you know, as a woman, the traditional household, she's going to be at home managing a house, managing the kids. Um, someone told me their car is a microcosm of what your house is going to look like. (laughs) And so if their car is neat and clean and, and this and that, then that's going to extrapolate that to a whole house. Uh, but if you hear that, ladies, if, the car, if their car is get that Soapy Joe's number, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, the interior is full of makeup and food yeah. and this and that. So those, those are kind of <laughs> one of the things you want to look at. It, yeah. If if they're good at managing their own life, it's a good indicator. Yeah. Some advice I heard early on too was look at the person you're going to marry, and if they didn't change at all for the next thirty years. Would could would you be okay? Would you it? be happy? Yeah. Now, of course, people are gonna change. You're gonna grow, but don't be looking at them and be like, "Great, great, great." But don't marry. What? Well, don't marry potential. Don't yeah, marry. Yeah, potential. yeah. Like, oh, this person is gonna become. She'll, this. Maybe she'll. Maybe she'll stop. You know, disrespecting me. Maybe she'll I'm stop. Sure it's just a phase. <laughs> maybe it's just right now. Maybe marriage will help. No. no I think. Um. I think something that really important for all men to look for, and it's gonna be different, but is a woman that you see how she flavors her interactions with people with respect. Like, cause if you can't notice how she's choosing to be respectful, you're going to be the brunt of, of those interactions uh, at some point. So I think I'll, I'll start to stack them. I think how, you know, she wants to follow you. You see how she, she's not always, nobody's always going to be perfect, but you can see her effort to be respectful because respect for for a young man, if you you know you, you're you're still forming your understanding of what that means, but if you are perpetually disrespected, that's that, a, that's rough. Yeah, that's a big one. I, let me say, real quick say on the the whole car thing, um, and Hannah would probably attest this is true that bears out because uh, uh, on the flip side, Bo one time said that my car was like a bum's nest. Yes, uh, I did. I've never forgotten. That. <laughs> I've never forgotten. Well, I, going to get in the passenger seat, I'm wait. Stat, what am I sitting on? My wife, my wife would probably agree with you. Uh, she, she has in, during our marriage, she's migrated our uh, our dirty clothes bin different places where she thinks I might actually be close in there. <laughs> She's, no, she's, she's running there, around the house everywhere except but i will say one of the things that most attracted me to hannah um was her disposition towards her dad and her brothers um i remember uh thinking that um you know i got to kind of she would talk about i mean you had said this one time when she talks about her brother matt it's like he's this colossus of a man and matt okay hold on so matt even <laughs> I hadn't met him. Uh, I met Hannah before I met Matt, and he is a, a actual kind of colossus of a guy to an extent. But when she <laughs> talks about him, I remember a story. Huge respect for him. Yeah, yeah. she was yeah, like, yeah. "He's the biggest guy in the world." And I came in, I was taller than him. I was like, 
Do you know me? I'm, <laughs> you're talking I'm to me. The biggest, yeah. I'm, I'm bigger than this man. Come on. Uh, and 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 her Salt. dad. Her dad's a great guy. He he yeah. is a home group pastor at our church. I honor and respect him. We actually live in the same property with them. Um, but he's not as great as Hannah thought he was. You know? <laughs> and, and I remember thinking, I remember thinking, that's it, man. Like that's that woman will think that I'm better than I am. <laughs> here's the here's the the thing though that it, it was like she knows how to honor men she yeah, doesn't respect yeah. men and and that felt like oh man like that's the kind of woman i want to attach myself to um and i cut you know i dated a few different girls um in the in the years that led up to it i i wanted to get married i was a pastor i was in my 30s it was like it was time um, but I, I came from a broken family and I just remember thinking, dude, I don't ever want to possibly get divorced. You know what I mean? Like I, I want to do everything I can to divorce proof myself. And I remember that was one of the most attractive things about Hannah was coming to that, that relationship is just saying, man, she, um, has, is already doing this. Like you said, like she's already respecting, um, a man. She knows that is. And like, so I want to, that, that was something that I found super attractive about her. Um, because, uh, because when you get in marriage, you're going to have to lead. You're going to have to, you know, you said earlier, you quoted the verse that, that, um, you know, husbands, uh, wash your wives with the water of the word. Like, what does that look like? What does it look like to lead your wife spiritually, to be the spiritual leader of your family, um, to actually, you know, take responsibility for your wife's spiritual walk with God? Like, how do you do that? How do you, how do you cultivate that kind of relationship? That is like totally antithetical to what the culture says, right? The culture says that's patriarchal. It's kind of misogynistic where these two co-equals coming together. And the Bible says, no, the man is the head of the wife and that he has responsibility to lead his wife's in such a way that he can present her before the Lord um, in, a, in a way that, that he can say, man, I, I, I shepherded and led this woman well. So what does that look like? How do you lead your wife? How do you spiritually exercise that kind of headship, that kind of responsibility? Yeah, I mean, I think part of that talking about submission, I know that that idea of a wife submitting to her husband, oh, sexist, you know, like that, <laughs> that, that in today's, you know, like that idea. Um, but, you know, that's not something like I have, I am submitted to Christ, right? Like he is, he is my head. I, I, he's the authority over me. I don't get to do whatever I want. I am constrained and I follow him. Right. Um, I don't, I don't look at that as anything lesser. I look at that as, amazing and i and so and so a wife following her husband he has to be following the lord obviously if you and there if there's times where a husband is not sitting under the authority of jesus if something gets called out um he needs he needs to humbly deal with it right. and say you're right i wasn't doing the right thing under god which means i wasn't doing the right thing to you and that makes it hard for you to follow me um i am um, one of the things i i tell single women or women who aren't married is i've i've I always say, uh, is is your man submitted to someone else in his life or to authority in his life? Because if God's calling you to submit to him and he doesn't, he's not submitted and he doesn't understand submission, then you're going to be, it's going to be a sad time for you to try to submit yourself to a man who himself is not submitted. And so that idea of like, man, we're submitted to Christ. Our life belongs to him. And only that we're submitted to the authority that Christ has put in our life. And then when we fall short of that, which we will, um, and she calls it out and says, dude, you're being so mean or so unkind or so um, stupid or so wrong, 
is being able to be able to have the humility to take responsibility and say, you're right. I fell short of what I'm called to. That it's not this kind of like, uh, you will do as I say, I am the final authority because we're not right. Mm -hmm. We're just, a, we're an under shepherd. I'm a man under, like, I'm gonna have to answer to the chief shepherd for how I shepherded my wife and my family. Remembering that and doing that humbly, even with my wife, I think is, is an important position in all that. Yeah. And I think that idea of holding the idea of, um, it's just being a man of God is, do you want to cling to you, um, your flesh, what, what Mike wants, what Tobias wants, the old, the, the Adam, right? Or do you use yourself as an example yeah. <laughs> from now on? Um, what is Mike real, you know? Um, but no, you want to reflect Christ, right? So do you want to say like in this moment, like, and that's, that's something that's really helpful for me, I think is thinking like, am I trying to, am I trying to, to do something that's selfish or something that I want, or is this reflecting Christ? Um, you don't want the old man. You want the new. That also makes it really easy to say that like when there's decisions and you have, and you need to have humility, I'm just submitting to the higher authority, which is Jesus Christ, that I'm trying to reflect his glory. I don't have to worry about what it looks like for Tobias. I, I, I want to, I want to honor him. And, and I, again, I'm, I, that's the principle that helps guide me. Right. I don't do it perfectly. It, you know, sure. I try to stay humble. I try to like, obviously you have like, it's a, it's work, you know? Um, but yeah, that idea, I think being, being humble and still leading, Hey, I don't do everything perfect. I think we should head this way. Here are the reasons. I may make mistakes along the way and I will apologize for those, but here's where I think we should head. And I, I, I'm following God. You follow me as I follow him, right? Like stay humble, stay, you know, I think can, that's, can I, Oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Just real quick sidebar on the whole submissive thing. I want to, we talked about the alternative. I want to point out the hypocrisy. We talked about submissiveness to your husband and how sexist, sexist, yeah. you know, and the <laughs> world is like, Oh, go chase your career and all this stuff for, for women. The hypocrisy is, a woman will show up to her usually male boss, show up at 9 a.m., do this report, do that report, and she is being submissive to a boss, yeah. but you're not willing, be willing to be submissive to a husband who loves you and cares for you, and you supposedly love him and respect him and honor him. And so the hypocrisy is they'll say, oh, I'm not going to do that. This is sexist, but this isn't. Yeah. So, it, it, yeah. But here's a quick side note. It's tricky, part. though. I mean, we're, we're all, if you're marrying a woman who grew up in the United States of America in modern times she's been fed that her entire life she's totally. been fed this kind it's of lie. independent mm -hmm. you're a woman hear me roar i can do anything kind of uh there's been a lot of lies that women have been told and those lies are in there you know they have bought into it even if even if they recognize even if they're like man i'm resisting the feminist ideology i'm a trad wife even if they full on like yeah. embrace that yeah. part there's something in their traditional wife traditional wife tra trad wife uh Traditional wife. Get get I, I'm with it. I get what it, you get uh, get I didn't know it was a thing. <laughs> get on Brad, that a little more often. Um, <laughs> is that a, is it is a negative or is there, are they saying it in a positive? Uh, both. Okay. Both. Uh, yeah. But the <laughs> the the idea that like man, some of us, we're fighting against some of that stuff, and yeah. so I think to the degree that you're is you as you're picking a wife that she's aware and conscious of some of her internal biases and maybe some of the ways that she needs to be aware of those things I think is valuable. So, so I think that's part of a yeah. good idea. Let me pick me a wife. Uh, yeah, that, so I'm going to try to thread this needle without, but a, a, a wife that wants to be, um, modern time feminist, um, I would say you need to run away. From Put it on. Yes. You just need to run away from that here. Check uh, this out. But I'll say, I'll say the, I'll, wait, wait, when you say wife, 
You mean a girl? A girl oh, yeah, that's yeah, not yeah, yet your yeah, wife. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. she's your wife. You're that's a hardcore girl. feminist. So yeah. fine. Yeah. So yeah, you gotta fight it out. Before that, she's not your wife. Yeah. Run away from it. And I would say the same to a woman. If he is addicted to pornography, run away from it. Video that, games or anything like that. Yeah. And so I think if it, one of the things a man should be looking for is at least a woman that's trying to deconstruct those lies. Wherever, whatever stage she's at, the the word of God is the light that she needs to be trying to orient her life towards and deconstructing what's going on in society. If she's just a Christian, but bought in all in on feminism or whatever wave we're on fifth wave feminism, you got to be like, (laughs) Hey, you're, you're too, you're too far gone. Maybe maintain a friendship, but she's got to be working to deconstruct those lies. Just like men do. That's something huge for a wife. And I'll say with like with Bree, something that, that has proved true in our marriage that I saw early on was with her is, her commitment to the word of God, that if I put this between us and we have any topic, anything we're dealing with, any topic in the world, if we read something in this, we abide by it. It's settled. It's It's settled. That's it. And it may take, say it in a few different ways, look at a few, like pray about it, takes time. But this is, it cuts through anything we're doing. One thing, yeah. Yeah, one thing, uh, to your point, (laughs) to your point, I think people get tripped up a lot when they're looking for a spouse because they see the image of this uh, grown man or grown woman and the, and they've gone through 20, 30, 40 years yeah, of yeah, refinement yeah. and they say, I have to try and find that in a 20-year-old or a 21-year-old. And that's just not going to happen. So we say, you can't marry potential. You have to see what that person is becoming. So don't short that person just because they're not that 40, 50, 60 year old person who's got it all worked sure, out. Yeah. What are they becoming? So then you might disqualify yeah. someone because really they're not point. that person. Yeah. So they were just gives people some grace to say, what are they becoming? What are they committed to? Are they putting the Bible in front of them? They're working things out. They That's a really good to way that? to say it. What are they know? aiming at? What are they aiming it, at? It, 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 you know, you might not be there. You're yet, not there. But if you're aiming at that, then we're we're on the road towards that together. So I, I think that, that that's an important point because it's not like you get all your stuff together and you're perfect and then you get married, right? In fact, oftentimes marriage is the the the, the means, thing that the does... process of which God refines you and helps you get to that spot. Um, but I think that's why it requires a lot of wisdom to know: is this person on this trajectory, and is this a wise choice, or is this somebody I should run away from? Because when you're in the middle of being in love, man, it's easy to try to figure out. So I, just as a word back to if you're looking for a wife, you're looking who you're going to become, you want to invite other people to look at your yeah. life that, that are outside of you that you can say, hey, what do you see? Because when you're in the midst of being in love, dude, it all is beautiful and you're blinded to all the possible problems. And so having other people that know you, that know the, your your partner and can say, man, I... I'm really concerned actually about this or have you thought about this or challenging those kind of ways It's really valuable to invite people in there. But back to the question, like um, how, what are some, some ways that you, you do lead your wife? Um, uh, did that come fully baked in that, that Brie was about the word of God and that settles it? Or is that a process you had to get to? Um, is that, is that something that, that you can help grow your wife in? Um, I think that inviting my wife into how I'm making decisions has been valuable. Like, Hey, here's what like, like I'm inviting her into showing my work, you know, like, like showing the, the word, here's what the word says. Here's how we, here's how we're applying a standard. Here's how we're not just making it up as we go. Here's, it's not just privilege my side. Um, I'm, I'm giving examples of, of, you know, I'm, I'm inviting her into that process of just saying, Hey, we want to become the kind of people who think according to this book, who think, God's thoughts after him and how we approach our life, even as we're like we're doing now, 
is I want to do this kind of stuff with my wife too, where I'm talking through, you know, my thinking process where when I'm, when I approach different things at work or different things with the, with the kids or different things with my friends or in life, I want to, I want to hold a standard and then she can hold me to the standard too. You know what I mean? Like we can hold each other to the standard and the standard becomes more important rather than kind of, we're just kind of making it up as we go. I think one big uh, part of that is, you know, if you have to develop it or, or even if it's already there, making the Bible the authority that is over both of you, the, yeah. the word of God is the authority over both of you is as a man, it has to be the basis for your daily life first. Right. And, sh- and I think that your wife needs to see that. It doesn't mean she needs to be reading the Bible, uh, you know, in front of her or something like that. I mean, you can, but, um, I think she needs, she needs to know that daily you are feeding upon the word of God, that it is the basis for your daily life. Like Tobias was saying, if my job is to reflect Christ, if my job is to follow Christ and then she follows me, how, you know, what does that look? And I better be following Christ. And that, and I think a lot of times, uh, maybe people think, especially people who've grown, grown up Christian, you think like marriage is like the goal. And so you're going to get married and then you're like, I made it. I'm married. Like time for just like married activities, but, but not, but you're not staying after God yourself. And, and so I think that's a really huge thing is that the the condition of your marriage, the spiritual spiritual condition of your marriage, is going to reflect your spiritual condition. Yeah. You need to be every single day after God. Yeah. It doesn't stop when you get married. It's even more important that you are independently carving out those times to read the Word of God, to sit in silence and reflection, to pray, to pray for your family, for your wife, to allow God to speak to you through His Word. I mean, those those times I think for me especially are critical. Like I need that daily. And I think that the kind of the, the side effect of that is that my wife knows that when I appeal to scripture, um, that it's, that it's something that I'm applying to my, to my own life. Right. You know? I think, um, practically you need to pray with your wife. I mean, if you're not praying together, um, out loud, um, with each other, then you're not leading her spiritually. And then two, I think it let, me, could, let's stop and let me just yeah. ask about that real quick. Cause I, I know, when I first got married, it was weird because I think Hannah's very comfortable praying. I obviously, I'm like a professional prayer. That's one of the things I do. Um, and yet it was always awkward when we pray together. It was like Out loud. This, yeah. yeah. It's a season of like, where it's like, okay, we're all doing what we're supposed to do. Like, it's like, kind of like. You get like one eye open. Yeah. <laughs> God, thank you for my beautiful wife. Yeah. Uh, but so, so there is something really awkward or uncomfortable or something that felt forced or fake that we had to like push through in our marriage and talking to other people, I feel like that's, that's a kind of a common experience. And so there is something where, where like inviting God into your shared decisions and your family and the way you're approaching things and thinking about things and the things that are interacting in your life. And not just during crisis. Yeah. Yeah. Just on a regular basis. And like, and like, like a lot of times it's like, okay, let us pray. You know, like, like also (laughs) like, where's like the weird time. And so sometimes like Hannah, I'd be laying in bed or will be whatever. And I'll just, Lord, will you help us with this thing? Or will you give us some direction on this? And I'll just start like praying like I would on my own. And it's become where it's like, it's normal, right? It's like totally, it's, it's cool. It's not awkward, but there was definitely a time and it was kind of like a while where we had to like push through the awkwardness of it. And I think there's some value. You know, what's interesting about that saying it's awkward. I read this little small book. I think it was called, called family worship or um, something to that effect. But he was saying that when you start to, pray aloud with your wife or when you start to read scripture to your kids at, at, you know, at nightly at the dinner table or pray with your kids or something like that a lot of people or even worship and song and things like that with your family, 
um, developing the habit of that and the practice of that. He said, it's going to, for a lot of people, it's going to feel awkward because you didn't grow up that way. Right. And I was like, oh man, like that's a really profound thing that like, um, you didn't grow up that way. So it's okay that it feels awkward at first because you know, it's a good thing to pray with your wife. Right. You know, it's a good thing to read the word together or to read it to your family or to worship in song together. And, uh, and so it's okay for it to feel awkward because you are now establishing the norm for your marriage and right. your family. And so in the future, not only is it going to be more natural for you, but it, when you bring kids into it, when they grow up, if you, if they don't hear nightly scripture reading, if they don't hear every meal prayed over, if they don't pray over big decisions and little yeah. things, um, they're going to think that's the strange thing. Yeah, and that's right. what we need. Yeah, we right. need that to become the norm. And it's always going to be awkward to establish a, that new norm, you know? Yeah. I was going to say, we've been talking about all the good things in marriage and how to find a godly wife and all that. I'm good continuing in that. Are we, maybe another episode we talk about, I mean, we've barely touched on the world and their idea of marriage and relate. I mean, where we've gone yeah, off the yeah, tracks yeah. and kind of. Yeah. I, and I think there's probably like, like I think, uh, Spence said, there's some, there's a lot of stuff to deconstruct and should we hit it? Getting marriage is marriage. Yeah. I, 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 if you have a lodge, right. I, I want to jump into one more thing about, um, finding a good wife and what you look for. Something that's, um, someone told me was, uh, look at their, uh, wherever their father left off, you're going to have to pick up. That makes sense. And we're talking about washing your wife in the word and things like that. So look at their family, look at their, look at her father and, um, is her father going to church often? Is he yeah. uh, reading scriptures? And so wherever that's going to be the norm, that's going to be the standard. And if he's not doing any of that, you're going to have to pick up there. So when you're looking at that with regard to marrying easy, marrying hard, or just kind of having a vision of where you're going to have to put more effort in to lead, um, consider that as well. Yeah, I, I think I wanted to say, um, too, that I think in regards to to – like you're like leading your wife. I always kind of thought I don't want to be the only one telling my wife this stuff, right? Like I, I like that is sort of a bad spot. So I want to help lead her to like resources and things that she listening yeah, to yeah. her to have fruitful friendships where she's getting like the things that that I know God wants for her re uh, reinforced in her life. And so her having you know be able to draw from other people is not just me, right? So there's other streams that are feeding her. Um, that I wanted to help lead her to and not be threatened by those things, but be encouraged for her to be able to have those, those kind of things where man, when, when she thinks, dude, Mike's an idiot, somebody else can say, yeah, but like, he's also your husband, you know, so <laughs> you should love him and honor him, you know, like that's, that's the kind of reinforcement of the structure. Yeah. Um, I don't, I think, yeah, I think we get it. I I think there's so much wrong with the world's view of marriage and it's probably strange bringing it into this. Cause it's been so good. What we've well, talked about. Well, let, let me say this. Let, let's. I mean, this feels like what, why would we talk it? about all the mess? And and I think we can. In the, I think we can. I think it's I important may, to de- maybe de- a structure episode because yeah. I think there are things that we need to kind of root out in there. But there also are things that are not from the world that are also just hard about marriage, right? Like there's challenging difficulties. Yeah. You're going to go through seasons of rough patches, um, hard times getting along. Like you talked about, you can marry easy, you can marry hard, um, and in counseling a lot of times they'll say hey look there's actually that's not a good or bad thing like marrying easy is like we get along we don't have a lot of conflict some people marry hard and they like conflict and that conflict helps them resolve other things and move forward um uh but there's 
no matter whether you whether you have a super compatible relationship with your spouse, you guys get along all the time, whether you guys are constantly kind of bickering and and whatever, um, there's going to be conflict in in marriage. So how do you how do you resolve that? How do you how do you um, keep that way that you're honoring the Lord and you're healthy? And like, what are some of the what are some of the ways that the things that you've learned in order to how how to honor God in the midst of challenges or conflict or a good a good disarming tool that I use early on in the marriage is if you guys are in it and you know both of you are angry and you're in whether it's crisis or just a frustrating moment to just kind of say hey I'm just trying to figure this out you're trying to figure this out and it's a good disarming tool to say we're just trying to figure this out right now I'm not your enemy same team but um it, same team it's it's a very good disarming tool to say I don't have this all figured out but I still love you and we're trying we're, you're trying to figure this out too. So it's not about you. It's about the thing. And as long as you keep it about the thing. Early on in our, You've got a story coming back. Yeah, yeah. Hold on. Let's go with that. Go with that. Well, I was just going to say, we were, uh, I noticed, a, we, we we both noticed, I think Hannah probably noticed before I did, that when we go on vacation, just the two of us, there have been like a couple examples of this. We've all, we almost never go on vacation, just the two of us. But earlier this year, we went to Cabo. And before we went, Hannah's like, hey, let's make sure that we're just like enjoying ourselves. Like that we don't get kind of like, you know, annoyed with each other, any kind of thing. And so, so, um, she, she, yeah, it is, but it doesn't always work out that way. And, and so she would say like, like, uh, we would say like, Hey, we're on vacation. That was like, so when you'd be like, Hey, are you ready to go? Yeah. Yeah. They'd be like, Hey, we're on vacation. You know, like, uh, it was just this reminder that like, Oh dude, we are trigger word just enjoying ourselves. We use a similar thing, which is, Hey, uh, we're on the same team, Yeah, which is, which is saying that, Hey, we need each other. To, we have to combat the, yeah. it's us against the world, yeah. and so let's not cause division between us. Like yeah. let's be let's be careful that we do. We're not giving the devil a foothold. He would love nothing more than to bring a wedge to us, a separation to us. And so hey, we're on the same team means, dude. We need each other. Let's fight for each other. And it's actually a really helpful thing to recenter us on the purpose, the bigger picture of the. Well, it takes it off of you're not. The, I'm not. You're not the problem anymore. Yeah, it's yeah. like, the, let's keep it on the thing. Right. Yeah. Figure out whatever the thing is that yeah. you want to point both of your energies at. Yeah. And that thing is outside of, of this your, unity. Of I think I think with conflicts, um, you know, the Bible says like to not let the sun go down on your anger. Yeah. Right. Um, I think that's a really huge thing and a, and a mentality thing that's really helpful is um, when you're in conflict with your wife or your husband, women are listening, that um, it, if you're in conflict, just resolve it quick. Because the only other option, like say you you get in a, you want to have a bad attitude, like you're in conflict, you're like, oh, I'm going to stretch this, I'm going to, you know, stretch this out and I'm going to kind of make a show of it or something like that. Like the only thing you're going to do is you're going to do that for an hour, two hours, three days, 10 years, whatever, however yeah. long you want to keep it up. And then because you're married and you're going to be married till death, you're going to have to do a massive U-turn and come right back to where you are right now right. and make and good. So you might as well yeah. just do it now. Yeah, now. Yeah. That's an incredibly... Uh, that it ties together so well with, if you are committed to not getting out of this, fix it now. Right. Don't wait. There's zero benefit to wait. Yeah. She's not going anywhere. You're, you're not doing, doing it anywhere. You're doing it to yourself. You right. right. guys are so, right. so uh, and this, I, I do think the only the Bible says, you don't, no man hates his own body. Exactly. Right? Yeah. You're doing I, it to yourself, man. I, I do think this is a big challenge for men. We can d diffuse the issue and should be, our effort to diffuse the issues doesn't mean you don't lead towards the right thing, but diffusing the conflict, I think the onus is on the men to 
set the tone for yeah. how how these will go. Um, and uh, one of the things is I I think it's always important for men to remember: do not respond to your wife because she's more brittle. She's or react or react. react. Um, think about it and respond. Sometimes you might have to be severe in the sense that you need to uphold a standard, but you cannot. And I I I'm just like a. I, I can be harsh as a default, and I, that was something I had to learn in my marriage is the harshness I could show to you, and it doesn't even matter. Yeah. Or in a sport, like if I'm playing basketball or whatever I'm doing, the harshness in those environments, it was like baked into me, and it is not what you can bring into your marriage as a man. It doesn't mean you you equivocate on what's right or good, but you can't be harsh towards. In our, our pre-engagement or pre-marriage counseling, uh, we took this personality test, and and one of the ways we ended up like in different spots was that uh, Jim was, we were going through it with Jim and he's like, um, you're going to be really like assertive. And uh, if something goes wrong, you're going to say, this is wrong. And here's, you know, whatever. And, and Hannah is going to be really sensitive. And so when she messes up, she's going to be beating herself up. And if, and if you say, mm. hey, that was messed up, um, it's going to be like, like it's going to feel like this overwhelming kind of thing. And so you need to be really careful with how you, you know, what level you come with and, and how you interact there. And so we've been married for 12 years. It was, it was probably last year. Um, we had kind of started to get on these little patterns of, of, um, that recognizing in our, in our relationship of, of me becoming kind of like a little bit harsh or I can be sarcastic. I can be like you, I can be stern. I can be, you know, kind of aggressive, whatever. And, um, and then she can also like, like, um, uh, fault towards kind of pessimism or seeing what's wrong with something too. And so we were kind of like just in this season where we're having a bunch of these little just kind of like arguments all the time. And um, and I she she said, you're getting meaner, like you're getting like uh, losing your temper faster and all this kind of stuff. And I said, OK, let's do it. Let's do something. I said, I uh, I'll make you a deal. If if at any point in any conversation at any time, if you say you're being mean, I will stop saying whatever I'm saying. I will apologize to you and I will change my attitude. Here's the deal for you is if you see something that's annoying you or bothering you, you just have to wait two hours to tell me about it. So <laughs> I don't care if you set an alarm in your phone. I don't care if you do whatever, but you just have to wait two hours to, to bring it up. And she said, well, you're just saying that because you think in two hours I won't care about it. And I was like, that's exactly right. <laughs> and then in two hours, she did not care about it. You know what I mean? Because we were like kind of like getting these patterns where like I would be snappy or I would be sarcastic or I'd be mean and and she would she would just be like, these are things that are annoying me and bring it all up. And dude, it solved. It was like, a, it was like shocking how fast it solved everything. So it's like finding little things like that to just kind of like there's a, identify a pattern and then cut there's it There's a like verse it. in, um, is it Deuteronomy? It's some verse of the Old Testament where um, it's, it's a prescription or a law. And it says a young man um, will not go to war for the first year of his marriage so he can learn his wife. Yeah. And, and I, I think there's something in that, like knowing that, um, Hannah is going to be uh, more critical to herself. That's imp that's not a maybe. You have to know that, right. and all of us as men have to know. Okay, what does my wife need? And and to the extent that we don't, that we just kind of like go through it, bumbling around, kind of like the stereotypical like '90s sitcom dad, just always bouncing into the wrong thing. That that isn't on the table. Like God is telling you. Be intentional with who she is. You should is. be a proficient in your wife. Yeah, like an I, expert I, in your wife. I need to see the signal like, oh, no, we're not going to do that. That's a hard situation for you or that's that's past your comfort level or 
or you'll feel intimidated, confused, and I need to intervene. So I can see, I can see she needs encouragement. She needs to be pulled back. She needs some accountability there. What are her strengths? What what is she going to flourish in? That I think also is part of our, our purview is like, my wife is special. She's God's daughter and God made her to like go out and be part of advancing his kingdom. I need to see that in her and look for that and, and put like stoke that up. I think when you say that, that what comes to mind is if we're talking about leading our wives, then in the moments that we do have to kind of, hey, you know, have a hard conversation or things like that, the rest of the time, like hopefully 99% of the time is us being like the biggest fan of our wife and encouraging and speaking out the positive things about her and saying, hey, I really appreciate you doing the dishes. You look you look great in that dress, whatever, like whatever it is, like I think that needs to be the overwhelming tone of the yeah. marriage so that when you do have to have, you know, harder conversations, it's in this kind of, um, you know, this this context of of all of that, that, yeah. that overwhelmingly your your positive um, and encouraging and supportive yeah. and, and, and you speak out the good things as often as, hopefully a lot more often, than you call out the things like, hey, we... Because this is this is life-giving, right? To, like this is gives life to my bones. Like this marriage, this relationship is, it's not just this contract I'm stuck in. It's not just this economic agreement. It's not just a baby production factory. Like it's, it's like, this is my own body that I'm, that I'm in a relationship. Like we are, this is bone you know, like my bone, flesh of my flesh. This is my rib. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. uh, like this is the, <laughs> the, 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 um, this, this woman that I get to create life with, and we get to, to live this life together. Um, and l- let's do it with abundance and, and gratitude and fruitfulness and love. And man, I don't care what woman you're married to. I don't care how, I mean, you could get into really bad patterns where, man, there's a lot of guys who end up being and just, dude, it's hard. You know what I mean? It's a grind. It feels like we're so at each other all the time. Like we're going, you know, just, I mean, you can, you can get to a place where it's bad, but but life, marriage is intended to be a joy. It's intended to be fruitful. It's intended to be a blessing and intended to be good. So, And I think like what you said, that um, gratitude, that's the key word, that whatever the state of your marriage is, if it's a, just overwhelming you with joy or it's a very hard season, you need to make a choice for joy and a choice for gratitude. Yeah. And as a, as a husband, you can do that. I remember, Bo, you said something one time. You said a lot of times we think it's like, uh, 50, 50, right? Like you do your part and I'll do my part. And that's not marriage. Marriage is a hundred, a hundred. Like I'm going to do a hundred percent of mine. Yeah. And I hope you do a hundred percent of yours, but my hundred percent of mine is not contingent on you. Doing yeah. The 50, 50 game I, I, is I, always yeah. a losing game. Yeah. You're looking at where to stop right. putting effort in and that's going to back off as your eyes are like, Oh, that you only did two yeah. things. I did two. And you're going right. to be receding yeah. the hundred percent. What can I, you'll never hit it. But if that's the only way to, you know, live it out fully is to, what is the hundred percent of what I can do? And that'll model for your wife or your husband. Okay. They're doing everything. I need to try to do more. That pushes you, you know. I think I read that in a marriage book and it applies really well to marriage, but also just to all of life that, Hey, look, what's, what's your responsibility? Are you going to do your 50%? Are they, oh, they're doing 49 in marriage or in work or in life or whatever. And I think it's just like, it's a really good principle that, um, no, it's 100% your responsibility, yeah. sir. Like, yeah. like, like saying that to yourself that whatever the situation is, it, it's just 100% you. So don't be surprised. It kind of goes back to the, the sage of Mount Helix that, um, that today it's 100% you. It's, right. it's on you to do all the things that need to be done. 
look, if someone else gives 10%, praise God. Yeah. They, they help me out. Which, right? is, but, which is what God does. He, he takes us out of comparing ourselves to I'm doing better than them. Or he just says, look, it's just me and you. Do all your work hardly as unto the Lord, right? Like it's it's about, Lord, you know everything, you know perfectly. You're going to hold me accountable to what you've given me. It's not a comparison game. And this is this is true of your marriage and it's true everywhere else too, is Lord, I need to be able to stand before you and, and I want you to say, good, well done, my good and faithful servant. And that's the only thing that I'm accountable to. That's the only thing that you're accountable to. We're going to go ahead and end our podcast right there and uh, we'll see you back here next time. Mm-hmm.